0: I'm your host, Dr. E, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hey, y'all. So excited to be here with you as always. What a treat we have today to have Dr. Sajay Price in the building. Hey, Dr. S- Doctor Price, how you doing? I was about to say Dr. Sajay, <laughs> because I do Dr. Eve, so my bad. Hey, Dr. Price. Hey, everyone. Nice to meet y'all. So, look, thank you for coming in all the way, you know, from Florida. I mean, I know, like we're in a real lounge, right? But still, like, <laughs> it's where you are <laughs> um, and you're here. So glad to have you. So I don't really like to take long to get into the show.
1: Let's dive in. Sure. Tell right. us a little bit about yourself. So I am Dr. Sajay Price, a new doctor, um, PhD, and I am an author, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. I have multiple ventures where I help individuals and also young people as well. And that is a synopsis of me. But yeah, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. So girl on a mission, woman on a mission. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the throw bed bit on a mission. So tell us a little bit about
1: your book so my book that I have is called 20 Beautiful Women it came out in March or april of 2018 and it's basically a self-help empowerment book where 20 different women came together and everyone is sharing like one or one story from their life and how it may have been a breakthrough for them or a turning point so in my section of the book I talk about how everything in my life has been aligned for greater good following I think it was Romans 8:28. I'm not a I'm not a bible knowledge person but I believe it's Romans 8:28. everything is aligned for your greater good so I discussed that some of the Things I went through growing up as a child, and how everything just kind of came together now and is still coming together.
0: Mm, I, I really, I'm digging that because you said that everything is coming together, it's still coming together. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about transition. Uh, which I think is really interesting. Tell us a little bit about how your transition has been going from, you know, once being a undergrad that was first gen, and of doing her thing to being a college graduate through a PhD and entrepreneur. You have had so many transitions. So talk to us, you know, about those things and how you've been able to navigate those spaces.
1: So The undergrad journey for me, I would definitely say has been the was the toughest because being the first to go to college in my family, it's I had no one to really show me what to do. And it's kind of crazy because you'll think that, you know, your school is supposed to help you. But as we know, minorities in schools don't always get the attention that they need. And it's not all the times that schools even have the proper resources to give students. So I was in one of that situation where I wasn't helped. I was not help and it was literally me applying for everything by myself. What's a funny quick story is that being that I had like a 4.7 GPA as a nerd, SGA person, super involved, I applied to 10 universities and only got accepted to two. And I highly believe the reason why I only got accepted to two was because I was told to apply like the October of my senior year versus the summer before the senior year began. So while everyone else was getting back their acceptance letters, I was just applying and I I firmly believe that's why I got denied because it clearly wasn't my grades. But um, but yeah, I got accepted to two and chose one. And that's how I ended up in college. The financial aid process, the entire college process was very lonely because it was kind of like me and my mom really figuring out everything for the first time. So um, that was the process. But we made it through. There were times when I had to work two jobs to pay tuition and my mom had to borrow money from someone to pay tuition. Did many hustles to, to get the tuition paid because it was a situation where once again, I missed opportunities for stuff. Sc- scholarships because i didn't know didn't have help didn't have guidance so there a lot of missed opportunities but made it through long story short graduated with that went on to my master's program luckily i had got a job in the middle of the recession that would pay for my college tuition so i basically hmm. if it, it was almost working for free but it worked <laughs> it worked that's what matters <laughs> so i got my master's degree and then phd You graduate and that's a whole five-year ballpark on its own congrats literally living life and everything (laughs) i'm studying living life living life and everything congrats to you though for
0: what you've done because as a first gen i could totally relate having gone through the masters having gone through the phd trying to figure it all out and it's kind of like does anybody uh realize that this is a lot of work and they're like oh you're just in school you still in school
1: (laughs) i love school yeah, almost. Oh my- Oh, definitely, definitely. It was it was those those questions but I can honestly say at the end of it when I walked into the graduation ceremony for the doctoral program and I saw my family and my grandma and everybody was there and they were so proud and I cried. I bawled. I didn't even cry, I bawled. I, I <laughs> ugly cried, my whole makeup was coming off <laughs> because it was like the family it was a sense of accomplishment for the family to be the first in the family that had a doctor, you know? So it was, yeah. yes,
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I definitely can feel you. My grandmother came to my graduation and that was, you know, priceless yeah. to see her having seen me through all. And actually my grandmother came to all three of my graduations, which is really significant. Um, as it my aunt, well, no, my aunt didn't take that back. My mom was definitely there. But anyway, I actually felt more of a sense of accomplishment. My husband graduated. <laughs> He's first gen as well. And it was kind of like, look at you, black man, you first gen black man, you better do your thing. And so, I, because as women, it's almost expected for us, you know, to go out and take over the world. And so, I, I love that you felt that sense of accomplishment, and that your family was there to witness it, because a lot of families don't understand what that means sometimes to have this, this schooling, yeah. as they yeah, say. Yeah,
1: it, it, it definitely, for me, it was it was big for me because for me and my family, I felt like it rate generational crisis within yes. our family. So it was very important and significant for me. And even sometimes, like, I'll talk to my grandma and she'll tell us, oh, you know, your grandfather, his mom, so your great-grandma, or, um, you know, she was a slave. She was a house slave, she always said. And so... When, you know, the more and more she started to tell us that, you know, you begin to realize how important it is because that's my great grandma, you know, that was a house slave and she was born into segregation. Well, you know, the early end of slavery era situation and then my mom was born into segregation so it's like you kind of see mm-hmm. that pattern and realize that you are the first person to really be changing that narrative around yes and then the more and more you like I've researched it from my family I've realized that even my last name is a house is a slave owner's last name and little stuff like that I've realized and know just 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 realizing that because i think it was this long social my grandma said how my great-grandma slept with uh with her slave owner or something like that because she was in the house and then that's how she had my grandpa and stuff like that so our family was born into slavery so it's kind of like you have those generational situations embedded and to finally overcome them it's definitely victorious for sure
0: absolutely no doubt about it and it's funny you mentioned the we all have a, a house name, for lack of better words, it came from somewhere. And then it's like, you don't really think about it, but it's like, yeah, we still have a lot of the past that we're holding on to. And, uh, but we evolve as people and we make decisions every day to not be victims of our past. I guess that's a good way to...
1: Absolutely.
0: So something that we talked about, you know, prior when we got to meet each other, and I'd love for everybody to listen to this, this aspect of your story, you actually have a A different situation where you kind of just moved around a bit so talk to us about the moves that you made in terms of you know being in California going back to Jamaica and what those things have have really done to help shape you in your journey of sure adulting
1: so um I was originally born in California and a lot of people don't know that because they speak to me and, and and automatically you can hear the Jamaican accent. Never been really right. able to cover that up. Um, like you can, you know, a lot of people think, oh, she was, she was born in Jamaica. Um, I was actually born in California and then my parents at the time, they kind of did whatever they had to do to make ends meet because they were immigrants to the country. And so, after a while, I guess they chose to split up. So, my mom took my sister and I, it was like six of us because my dad dad total has six kids. My mom has six kids. So everybody got split up long story short. And it was me, my, my youngest sister and my mom, we went back to live in Jamaica because my parents decided no longer wanted to be together. And that was the beginning of a lot of life lessons for me because automatically it's kind of like, I was put in a situation where I had to grow up early because Mm. in the islands, as many people know, actually, I think I would say most island kids have to grow up early because you don't have the traditional upbringing, especially if you're not the wealthy kind of island kid. So, you know, whether it could be the lights got cut off, so they got to like wire, they got to, they call it bridging. So you have to bridge the, the, the lights to get it back on or the water is cut off. So you have to go catch water from somewhere, you know, and bring it in buckets or whatever it is. So that I would say living in Jamaica taught me a lot of responsibility because of that. It taught me how to make do with what I have. And it was crazy because even though we lived in a nice house that my parents had got before they separated that we still didn't have it. And I think that's an important thing to for people to know is that sometimes you may see someone living a lifestyle, but it doesn't mean that they have it. Because we had the, the house was gorgeous, but being that my mom was a single mom, there were still days that she couldn't make ends meet for food or the lights would get cut off or the water would get cut off. We definitely did not have cable at all. Um, you know, so little stuff like that. But we've been fortunate to have met like the shopkeeper down the road who may have allowed us to, you'll say barter. We call it barter now, but like, you know, they'll give us chicken and then we give them something else or they'll allow us to do a tap and we owe them or something like that. And then we also went through a phase in Jamaica where my mom had to leave us to go back to the States to work. And so we moved around and stayed with a lot of different family members. And in staying with the family members, it definitely taught me a lot. I learned a lot that sometimes family is not really family. Like they're Family, but that doesn't mean that they're going to treat you like your family. um Or no, that's real. Yeah.
0: That's real. I'm, 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 real
1: facts. Yeah. And I've also my biggest thing that I learned was budgeting and money stuff for sure. Because my mom would always send the money through Western Union from the U.S. back to Jamaica. I would have to get it and then distribute it to whoever needs to get paid for taking care of us, like the taxi drivers and stuff like that. But that was the biggest lesson, and for sure. And then moving back to the U.S. Was horrific. I went to school in New York. I went to middle school in New York. I hated it because I was the girl with the Jamaican accent. Couldn't figure it out. And I had a stuttering problem back then. And New York is a tough place, as we all know. (laughs) And it was constant fights. Thank God I had a best friend who was a fighter. That saved me a lot of times, and then we ended up moving to Florida after 9-11, and my mom lost her job, because she was working in the city at the time, and I guess multiple buildings, you know, a lot of places got shut down as well after, and so she lost her job, and then we ended up moving to Florida to stay with another relative, and then... Yeah, that's how I ended up here in Florida. But it's definitely transitioned a lot of learning lesson in that entire path and being able to overcome that and be just the first of many different things for my family. It's, it's a burden, but also a blessing. Mm. Yeah. I felt <laughs> that,
0: you know, the yeah. burden and the blessing because you have really laid out for us so many things um, from having to work through divorced parents. Having to leave, uh, go to another country, to come back to another country, so to essentially have to learn two worlds in in so many different ways, and to re-navigate. Because I mean, when you went to Jamaica, it was a foreign country to you, and then when you came back, America was a foreign country. Yeah. Um, because it was just that. How do you? Like I said, how do you make it? You not only had a strong accent, but then you stuttered. Like so, even for people to understand you, I can't imagine how frustrating that may have been. And then to try to navigate college. And to get to where you are today Like I really say You know like kudos to you sis Because it's not easy And you said that it's not easy But somebody had to do it I'm curious why did you feel like You had to do it I've never asked anybody that But what made you feel like You were the one who had to do Something different That you had to change it That you had to become more Or reach higher
1: You know I am I've always been I I would say when I went to school In Jamaica um, I've learned that I don't know, I kinda of felt like um you know how they say like some leaders are born and some are natural or something like some are born and some are made. Mm-hmm. And from I would say about the age of thirteen, automatically I was placed into leadership roles. And perhaps that is where it got started, where feeling that responsibility or need to be the leader and change how stuff is. Because okay. even when I went to school in Jamaica, I was the first they call it head girl. It's kinda like the, the school president, it would be equivalent to that, but in the islands they call it the head girl or head boy or something like that. So I was the first head girl of my school. And at the time I had also played sports, which they have netball in, in the islands. So it's kind of like basketball, but but I would say those were the first like kind of leadership roles that I got into. And so that was kind of the beginning. And I think feeling that sense of leadership is probably why I felt the need to be responsible for that. I never really thought about that, but yeah, to be responsible. And then you know, I think, my thing, I know that something that bothers me for sure is that when my parents were together they had, even though they were immigrants, they managed to have the wealth. Mm. They had the wealth but they didn't know how to spend the money. So, if anyone who who is listening and know island life, then you know that when you get rich in America you kind of have to be extra when you go back home. <laughs> they were, extra. They were extra. Uh, show them what you got <laughs> so they they were extra so they were showing out and so they mismanaged the money <laughs> and um so it was always my thing where like i always felt like i want i want us as a family to go back to that original place that we were except this time be responsible with the money so they call me the cheap steak but i don't care <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, say these coins do what you gotta do it's okay it's not it's not being that it's being mindful that's how i say it yeah. mindful spending because <laughs> you know as easy as it come it goes so hey i am um, oh gosh I'm, I'm really enjoying this and there's something that i recall you saying before about we as people have a social responsibility to help others
1: would you mind tapping into that a little more for us Sure. So, you know, I believe that as first gen individuals that we know that we didn't have the information needed to accomplish whatever it may have been in our lives, whether it's a business, schooling, whatever struggles that we had to navigate through. And I and I believe strongly that as first gen that whatever our struggles were or or is or whatever we have learned from that we have to help those that are. Behind us and kind of pull them up Because that is our social responsibility If we are the first of our kind And we don't help the individuals coming behind us Then how are they going to get helped Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do to fulfill that social responsibility is I started a nonprofit and we help students with literacy, college planning, and teen entrepreneurship. And because we know, as I discussed earlier, the college situation for me was, I was clueless. I was literally just me and my mom out there trying to fish for answers and we lucked up. But at the same time, I've never, I don't want other young kids who are also first gen to have to go through the similar struggle of not applying early or not getting enough scholarships or different stuff like that. And especially when they have the criteria, you know, when they have the criteria and they can meet the criteria and then they're still missing the opportunity, especially if they want to go to college. So I kind of use that as my social responsibility to go back and help them and it's amazing to see because we have like one college graduate that's coming up this year. We have another young lady that's going to be going to college next year so this summer we'll be working on her college applications and what's crazy to me is that I've clearly these are all minority kids and it's almost like the system the system is designed for them to fail because I remember going into one school with the kid I told the kid asked them to send the transcripts to here 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 and the administrators told the child no you're applying to college too early what are you doing so me being the crazy person I am like you're not gonna mess with my kids went up there myself and and went with the kid and went into the administrator office and told them I need the transcripts to be sent and this one need them to be sent. to. and they're like, oh, you know, you're applying too early. No, no, no. I said, that's fine. Send the transcripts anyway. Come to find out after they sent the transcript, that child was accepted to multiple universities, multiple presidential scholarships, merit scholarships, all those things because they applied early. And if you don't mm. apply early enough, then you're not going to be in the early batch to get the institutional scholarships that are needed to graduate. So now that child is graduating with maybe ten thousand dollars worth in student loans, which is clearly a big reduction of what we know can be thousands of hundreds of thousands for a bachelor's degree. But imagine if that child did not have those scholarships; they, you know, he would have been told otherwise. Or end up taking out too many loans that's not needed and that we know can end up in a situation. So I I even, you know, I use that lesson because as myself being first gen, it was important for me to help another first gen navigate their way through Mm -hmm. that college process and what to do. And I always tell parents or their kids you need to apply this summer before your senior year because what's going to happen? You apply too early. They're not going to deny your application. They're going to put it down at the top for, for review. That's it.
0: <laughs> look, look, that's it. That's a whole lot. And I, I like how you took... Your story and you made sure that you went back to be the person that you needed, because that's how we get ahead. We have to reach back to move forward. And so even that situation is very significant in how you were able to go back and, you know, cause positive change in somebody else's life, the kind that you needed. So shout out to you for that as well. Is there anything that you've learned as an adult that you wish someone would have told you before you had to learn the hard way?
1: Uh, I think the concepts of how to love myself and also I would say definitely how to love myself and also the concepts of even relationships, if that makes sense, because being in you know how they have this whole black love thing going on nowadays mm-hmm. and it's almost like if you never grew up seeing that you don't know what to expect in a relationship what to accept not accept or you know or if you never saw somebody loving themselves or your parents never taught you how to love themselves how would you know and then when you kind of go back down history once again you realize that maybe grandma ain't know how to love herself so how could she show mama how to love herself you know, and then you realize how could they even show because great grandma was a freaking house slave. So nobody knew how to love themselves. <laughs> and, you know, because they were being told what to do all the time. So, yeah. So little stuff like that. Just I, I would definitely say that I wish that I had guidance for even the aspect of building a business as well. Um, I wish I had guidance for um, a lot of the stuff that I learned is self-taught or I learned through school as well. But that is definitely something that I wish that I had guidance on. But as I said, everything always works out and is aligned for the greater (laughs) good, for sure.
0: No doubt about it. So we're coming to a place in in our conversation where we're wrapping it up. This ends up being the saddest part for me because these conversations can go on and on and on because I like to talk. (laughs) But, you know, definitely ought to be mindful of everybody who's driving or at the gym or whatever y'all doing, when y'all listening. What is the one thought that you want to leave us with, that one thing that we want or that you want us to remember about you or even that you want us to carry with us for life as that nugget to keep going or whatever it may be, what is that one thing?
1: I would definitely say the one thing, biggest thing to me is the social responsibility that we have as first generation individuals, whether we have been able to succeed in schooling, business, career, We have to remember that there we have to remember and be understanding and mindful that there are other first gen behind us who may not know how to navigate through a process. So if they ask us for a question or ask for help, it's not that they're stupid. But we have to be mindful that, especially if you are a minority, that you're the first, you're more than likely the first in this day and age, you're more than likely the first and you've never had that help or navigation. So it's okay to help someone behind you because they did not know or don't know what to do. So just remember your social responsibility as first generation individuals.
0: Thank you so, so much, Dr. Price. You have been a pleasure to speak with on today. Um, I love your thought process about life and just continue to push forward in spite of and taking the responsibility for your life, I really got that today. You know, in spite of what your parents may have done, in spite of the transitions that you've had from you know moving around and not knowing, you've been responsible for yourself, and you haven't made an excuse for why you haven't been able to excel. And I think that that is critical that people understand it, especially those who listen to this show. We have to, and and I think you said this to me before. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and and you definitely your life has personified that and so you know we're so grateful that you've been able to share that with us on
1: today for those who want to keep up you know where on the internet do you want them to find you so you can find me at jprice.com that's my website and you can also find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook I'm at CJ Price and Twitter at CJP. More than likely, if you find me on Instagram, that will probably be the easiest. J Price, and you will see the link to all the million and one things that I do. So <laughs> feel free to send me a DM. I am not the bougie type, so you guys don't have to email me unless you don't want to DM me. But you can DM me, and I will respond. <laughs>
0: you are so awesome. Look, thank you so much for your time. Wishing you well. And- everything that lies ahead.
1: Thank you so much. Definitely been a pleasure.